Faces. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. My name is Scott Allen, and I am the host of Phronesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. I am an Associate Professor of Management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, a speaker, a nonprofit founder, and the host of two podcasts. I'm also a husband and dad of three. You just heard from Kate, my daughter, who wrote and performed the Phronesis intro. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover timely, relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Now, I am proud to share that Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ilaglobalnetwork.org. If you like what we're up to, please click subscribe so you can stay up to date as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others. And now, today's show. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a longtime friend, and I'm really excited for this conversation. He is, he's many things. He is many things. He is uh, the curator of TEDx Portland, has been since 2009. If I'm not mistaken, the founder, he'll correct me, or a co-founder, he'll correct me in a moment if I was wrong on that one. Uh, and he is also the president and co-founder of 503 Media and Events. If you listen to that word events, you, you would know quickly that David's year has been a shift. It's been a leadership challenge, probably like none that he's experienced. And that's really what we're going to talk about today, is how an individual leading a media and events company and TEDx Portland uh, shifted in the last 15, 16 months. So he is an avid lover of baseball. He is a family man. He is an all-around, probably, I think, the coolest guy I know. But why don't you fill in the blanks? Tell us a little bit more about you, sir. Don't forget about Canada. I got roots up north. Love America. Uh, have been stateside for 20 years. But maple syrup's in the DNA, and uh, that's where I get the quirky cool from. If there is any sort of cool, it's Canada. And, and when, it, when I'm in trouble, you blame Canada, too. <laughs> right so dave ray tell us about you sir yeah i'm a creative at heart i love art and i love experience and i love storytelling and a, a drug for me is creating experiences indelible moments for people to enjoy for people to collect moments and not things love and it. so just i've always had a passion of putting people in a room and and creating an arena or a vessel where people can connect and truly get to the core of meaningful relationships. That's just, that's the juice for me. I love that. And and you, you just described yourself so well, Dave, because how you just described yourself, that's how I think of you. Since I think we, since, since I've known you, I think we met maybe, what was it like 2099, something like that. Yep. That has been you gathering people, getting them excited having a great experience and creating memories, right? And that's, it's like you said, a drug for you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's addictive. I was raised in a family where community and being a great neighbor and, and it was just 
how we were raised and I've carried that through my life. And, and it's really what, what gets me out of bed in the morning, truly. Well, Dave, talk, we'll get to, to TEDx Portland in a little bit, but I want you to talk about just leading 503 in the last year. Take me back to March, 2020. Yep. I imagine you had an epic summer lined up of events and gatherings and all of that. And all of a sudden, March 2020 hits and we're shut down. Talk to me and take me through your year, how you shifted, how you led the organization through the transition and and what it looks like in the future. Yeah, certainly. A bit of context. So I was at Nike for a while, had a great experience there, but left on my own terms to start my own agency to focus on events. And we were positioned. So 503 has been around for six years, six plus years. Yeah. You know, building it, scrapping it, putting it together. Yep. Entrepreneurial journey. And we were positioned for our biggest year ever going into 2020. Staffed, retained relationships, massive projects, festivals, you name it, we were going to do it. So I was walking on water, to be honest. I was like, all right, we finally kind of arrived. We have incredible work to get after and look forward to. And then boom, pandemic, everything's upside down. Everything went out the window in a matter of moments. The moment we saw South by Southwest canceled, March Madness gone, writing was on the wall. We knew we were in real trouble. So it, it was, you know, 20 hour days, almost sleeping over in the office with my staff and figuring out how we were going to flex the struggle muscle, AKA resiliency yeah. and pivot to lead with branded content, strategy, video work, and poor culture and experience through virtual means and mediums, you know, with not being able to gather. And we, we were always dangerous in that space. We've done apps, we've done websites, we've done video, but we never led with that work. We, we would yeah. throw the 5,000 person something, uh, yes. have a big band on stage, and then follow up with the highlight reel or the TikTok, whatever we were doing. Those were supportive accessory things. But COVID now being able to step back and, and, and we're still standing, COVID flipped that complete yin-yang, right? So we yeah. now, we lead with branded content strategy. We went back to our client base and said, hey, we were going to do this. We have your trust. Let us lean into and pour our work into this space. Yeah. And they said, let's go. We can't not talk to our people. Like one client, for example, has had 14,000 employees and we were going to be doing music festivals for them all summer. Yeah. And they, they couldn't go dark on their 14,000 people. So we went inward and created micro sites and apps and learning universities and push notifications and all this lovely storytelling about their people to create virtual community. And it worked. And, and, and it actually opened new doors into new opportunities with other clients once we had proofs of concept. So, And I, and I love that mindset, the, the mindset of what's the opportunity in this struggle, in this challenge that we're in right now? Yep. What's the opportunity here? How can we grow? How can we shift? I struggled with some of that in my own work, whether that's teaching or consulting, or I, I co-founded a leadership competition, and we had to shift on a dime, and it opened up some opportunities. It opened up some doors. Would you talk a little bit more about that? Like, I mean, as you reflect on it, obviously, we wouldn't want to go through that again, but what doors did it open? I mean, it, obviously, this new line of business leading with this line of business. Yeah. Can you think of any others? Absolutely. And I'll go a double click down even further. I, I yeah, Because at the core of it, my huge realization, all of it, Scotty, was pressure, right? Pressure mm -hmm. can crush people. It can also create a diamond. 
Yeah. So I think pressure is a really, really great thing, right? Yeah. And how are you going to manifest through that pressure? You can fold, <laughs> right? Or you can absolutely pick yourself up off the mat. And that's where true innovation comes from. It's this Darwinian adapt or die. And that's yeah. what we were up against. So being a competitive person and also being a provider for my staff, you know, agency of 20, 30 people, how could we provide for people? Because I, I didn't want to yep. furlough. I didn't want to lay people off. It just, there was this insane pressure. So yeah. I think work ethic, no matter how talented or, or non-talented you are, I think work ethic and time can solve a lot of things. And if you're committed to problem solving, if you understand pressure and are willing to push through that, COVID, I think historically will show us a lot of stuff. And I think my biggest takeaway is pressure is a good thing. Yeah. How can you meet the moment and let it all go and see what stays is another thing that I've been versing, man, like speaking out loud a lot right now, just yeah. let it all go, see what stays. And then you really know where you can focus your attention and, and work and evolve your company or people. Say more about that, Dave. Let it all go. Does that mean just like put a lot out there, try a lot, see what sticks or say more about that? I think there's a lot of layers uh, of uh, unnecessary stuff in our lives. And yeah. it, it made me realize what's essential, what's critical, where should I be focusing time and effort? And it made me overanalyze, OCD analyze what <laughs> is going to help P&L. What's going to yeah. help really move the needle with the company or, or my, our work and not anything that didn't help with a first down and forward progress. I didn't focus any time on it. I literally let it go. And it just helped me reprioritize everything in my life and our company's kind of vision. And from that came true work product that yeah. was battle tested and tried and true. And then we could replicate and then scale it to other B2B clients or whatever it was. But yeah, I think there's a lot of ancillary layered crap in our lives. And if you mm. really have self-awareness and practice self-awareness, what's working and what's not, and walk away from the things that are not working. That's what COVID I think has been a lovely mirror to hold up in front of us and be like, wow, let me assess. Well, I was saying to a friend on the phone this morning, that whole experience brought us back to like the base, right? There were five of us in a house yep. looking at each other. <laughs> yep. What do we do here? Like, we're in a cage. That was it. It was yep. like, okay, here we are, yep. right? And from there, uh, you can you can then create an incredible experience, a wonderful experience. I mean, obviously people are truly struggling, so I, I can't, I'm not diminishing that in any way, shape, or form. But that mindset of, okay, here we are. What do we do? How do we get through this? And how do we maybe learn, innovate, create, and go somewhere new? Yep. And I'm sure you loved some of the learning that actually occurred for you in that new work. Doubling down on some of those new strategies, I'm sure you learned a ton about yourself as a leader, but then also just even that content area, right? A hundred percent. Back to some of our old professional experiences. I remember it stuck with me in the early 2000s. When I'm uncomfortable, I know I'm growing. I learned yeah. that on staff together with you. Yeah. And COVID absolutely amplified that. Like there, yeah. was, there was discomfort every day. But if you approach it from, okay, there are new problems to solve versus I'm defeated and I'm going to throw a pity party for myself. Like how, how are you going to mentally prepare 
to challenge and pivot and, and go in a different direction. I, so I was motivated by that. And I, I agree with you not to diminish people's struggle and challenges. It's intense out there. But I think there's real beauty in the discomfort. And if you can embrace it versus run away from it, go towards the pressure, wow. that's where you're going to see breakthroughs. Tell us a little bit about you. What did you learn about yourself as a leader in the last year? Are there any any reflections that kind of stand out other than maybe what we've said? Is there anything else that stood out for you? Gosh, yeah, I lonely. I was very lonely. A lot of days I felt I was going into a fire and and had had a shield and kind of tip of the spear stuff, you know, in a vulnerable state. M- multiple times I'm in my office by myself, like waterworks, crying, just trying to literally pull my, keep myself together. What, what, how is this going to, you don't know the uncertainty. Loneliness was a real thing. Being, was it because you thrive off of being with others, right? You thrive off that energy. Was it that, or was it the feeling of sometimes we hear senior level executives and CEOs say, look, it's the work is lonely because the burden's on my shoulders. And I don't necessarily feel like I have anyone that I can speak with, that I can talk to, that's in my same position. Yeah. Was it a blend of those or both of those or one of those or <laughs> something totally else, right? I, you, I mean, you know, on the head, I'm absolutely a social creature. I, I thrive off uh, energy and people. I like my quiet time, but I, I absolutely, uh, when I can be with people, that that's my happy place. So yeah, COVID put us all in our corner. And it was like, how can we find light in those dark corners? So I, I've never, I was never a FaceTime person. I was never a Skype person. Zoom for me has been amazing. I love it. And I thrive in that environment now. So productivity is way up, right? I, I think that was another silver lining with COVID with, with the, the, whether it's Google Hangouts or Zooms or whatever, screen connectivity, crazy, right? I mean, we're, I've, I've never had more meetings in a day when you're in zoom jail in back to back to back to back to back to backs. Right. So, but at the I hadn't of, heard that term right? zoom jail. Oh, zoom jail. Bro. I'm in it all the time. And I'm just looking for a, you know, $200 Pasco get me out chance card. Right. Where's my community chest? Um, uh, yeah, I, but the humanity, right? Like where can yeah. we find the humanity? So I probably seven, eight months into the height of the pandemic, I'd realized that with a couple of my business partners, we were crushing 17, 18 hour days, but I literally hadn't seen them yeah. in months, hadn't pressed yeah. the flesh with them, hadn't sat around a fire pit, hadn't socially distanced. And that was like crazy to me, right? Outside yeah. of my family yeah. who I see in the house every day, yeah. even though I'm doing in, like a lot of workload, the humanity that was real shocking and terrifying. It also helped. It intensified the loneliness. So we're connected, but disconnected. Nothing you don't know already, but I learned about that. But I also learned to, to my focus has never been sharper. So COVID uh, has helped me back to kind of the, let it go, see what stays. It's like, I wake up in the morning. I ask these, I ask these questions of myself every day. Does it serve the team? Does it serve the business? Does it serve the community? And what can I personally do better to help in all of those things. So that frames it up for you. Yep. Let's talk about TEDx. So again, I, I'd seen you, what? I think it was summer 2019, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Family was out in Oregon and we're about to head to Crater Lake. We were in Portland for a couple of days. And you had, it was going to be the largest TEDx in the world. Yep. And locked, ready to go. Talk about that shift, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
We've been doing TEDx Portland for 12-ish years. We got the yeah. license back in 09. We've been doing it at the Keller Auditorium, which is a 3,000-person, lovely performance facility here in town. Had it there six years. We moved to the Moda Center, where the Blazers play basketball. They, they cut it in half. They call it Theater of the Clouds. 7,000 people. 7,500 once you factor in our staff and volunteers. Yeah. And it's going to be our 10-year anniversary. So we've been doing TEDx Portland for 12 years, but... This would be the 10th event because it took two years to get the first year off the ground, if that makes sense. <laughs> a lot of planning. Yeah. Anyway, largest TEDx indoor event in the world uh, from small little fiercely independent Portland. COVID hits. This town also protested for 100 straight days, which also resulted in rioting, shuttered businesses. This town has been really kicked in the, in the stomach, but I'm proud of the work here of, of what we do. Yeah. TEDx Portland is a lightning bolt of joy and ideas and inspiration for this town. The city wow. has embraced it from day one. And we thought TEDx Portland was a one and done thing way back in 2010, 2011. And there was never a goal to do an annual event and to scale it. And if you would have told me then that we'd be doing a 7,000 person Moda Center globally live stream million people thing, no way. So for those that don't know, you have Big Ted, I call it Big Ted, the mothership. They're in New York, but they have an annual week-long conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, my hometown. And that's yeah. the big leagues, right? It's 85 speakers. It's 10,000 bucks to get in. You got to apply. You get a lottery ticket. Boom, boom, boom. TEDx came out in 2009. Essentially, it's a franchisee model. Yeah. We were one of the first cities to get the license. And, and here we are. I think our... We have so many amazing volunteers and people committed to this city and that event. We were never going to let it die on the vine, but yeah. Hey, we've rescheduled it twice. It was supposed to happen on June 6, 2020. We then okay. bumped it to May 29, uh, 2021. It was supposed to happen last week. We oh. weren't in a position to put 7,000 people in a building a week ago. No. So we've now bumped it to December 31st, New Year's Eve day. It's a Friday and it's a nine to five o'clock. It's a full day event, 15 speakers, five performances. And then we're going to do an after party, a big kick the doors down on, on 2022 and have a Tedster kind of New Year's Eve party. <laughs> um, so we're, That'll probably be the first Tedster party, right? right? Is that <laughs> probably, I mean, and you know, I love our, our, the, the staff in New York have been unconditionally supportive. A lot of TEDx's have dissolved, right? They just, yeah, the yeah. has been a wrecking ball for the TEDx community because most TEDx's are in like libraries and high school gymnasiums. They're not in the basketball arena around the corner. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. so TEDx Portland is a unique unicorn in North America. I, I just, I've used a, a freighter analogy, right? TEDx Portland is this massive freighter kind of listing out in the ocean. It's running on fumes. Uh, and we're just trying to bring it into port. Yeah. Literally port land. Like we're trying to bring it into <laughs> the land of the port, the harbor. <laughs> and I, I, love it. I feel we're now back with a GPS system. Yeah. You know, there's an adult in the White House. We have a plan. 70% of the country's vaccinated. So all signs are pointing to, we bought ourselves seven months more of time. And, you know, the Blazers had 10,000 people in the arena last night. So everything is looking positive to land the freighter in the winter. And we've never held a winter event. It's always been in the spring, but Hey, again, we innovate yeah. we figure it out and we're going to make it work. And if you can be out here for it, it's the most educational and inspirational day of the year for us in this town. I'm, I believe I'm biased obviously, but uh, it's th this town needs it. There are, there are like 
10 events that used to be on the calendar that people would circle, TEDx Portland is one of them. We have an obligation to this town to make sure the event happens so we can see joy. So we have something to look forward to. End of the day. Yeah. Well, and I imagine, again, back to some of what the community has faced in recent months, I, I imagine there's a lot of learning and, and dots that can be connected and reflection that can occur that um, it, I, it's going to be powerful for many, many reasons, right? But you all did something, you all pivoted and did something on television, didn't you? We did. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. We couldn't go dark. So you know, what do we do in a year, 14 months time to keep our thousands of people that are connected to the brand, the experience, the event, whether it's social or the email they get or the community planning we've always done. Cause TEDx Portland is not just the one event, the Super Bowl event thing we do every year. Yeah. We do multi, we do high school programming. We do a six K run around the city. We do salons, which are 300 person kind of more intimate experiences, but we have a lovely relationship with the NBC affiliate here called KGW channel, channel okay. eight. The leadership there is tremendous. And they approached us and said, hey, what if we gave you an hour of primetime TV and you created a broadcast special, a TEDx Portland broadcast special for us? And this was right in the height of social justice, BLM, George Floyd, 10,000 people marching over this bridge. I'm looking out my window here on the Burnside Bridge, 10,000 people going over the bridge. Yeah. Again, 100 nights of, of protests here, national news. And we put together a vignette, an hour long broadcast special dedicated to that. And it's on TEDxPotent.com. If you have the time, go check it out. I'll put um, it in the show notes. Yeah, please do. And we'd never done anything like that before. And yeah. it, was, it was an intense journey. We So that episode for context, if people don't understand TV, because I didn't, I'd never done a broadcast special before. <laughs> um, it, it took 32 pieces of unique content that was stitched together to create for it to look and feel like TV. TV feels different than podcasts, all the things, right? It, it's faster, yeah, yeah. It, it moves, it's gotta be peppy, you change pace, there's palate cleansers, all the things. So it was a real steep learning curve for us, but KGW held our hand, they coached us. We had the the filmmakers, the videographers, the content, all the, the alumni, all the speakers. Yeah. So we had the bench, but stretching into this new medium was lovely and it worked out so well, the viewership was insane. That one was called History and Hope. And then we did Kindness and Community. We did a second installment. So we actually did really? two, two KGW episodes. TEDx branded, TEDx Portland branded. Yeah. Yeah. Prime I love it. TV and, you know, I love thousands it. of eyeballs on them. And then it was also a case study for the bigger TEDx global community. Like, how do you go to market? Right. Because we all yeah. had Zoom fatigue and we're on the screens all day. So how do you actually engage and keep people's attention? right? To, yeah. ca- to captivation, right? I mean, how are you literally yeah. keeping eyeballs on screens so they're not multitasking? And so TV does that because you're, we, we literally, we produced it, handed over the drive. And then it was lovely. A week later, we sat down with my family with popcorn and watched this special <laughs> on TV like it was a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was way- I Who mean, did was, that? Right? So, and I'm used to going hundred miles an hour- live things go wrong yeah. right theater like live performance right yeah TV's so you're amazing. just sitting at home <laughs> yeah so it's really weird to hand over the drive of the hour-long piece and then just kind of like okay we're we're just going to relax and watch this thing but you can make a case that it had the same reach as the live event but i know it didn't have the feel 
because when you're in yeah. the seat, you feel the juice. Um, yeah, yeah. But hey, for a stopgap to do something for the community in between, it, it's been a saving grace. And we're going to do a third. We're going to do a third episode probably in the fall, just because I think good things come in three. <laughs> and so that'll be a nice bridge to the live event in December with KGW again. So, What an awesome opportunity to celebrate in December. And what a gift to the community to... Again, I love the mindset of let's figure it out. Let's yeah. figure it out. What are we going to do? Yeah. Here we are. Let's go. Right? Yeah. I um, I wish you could see what I'm looking at, brother. I uh, We're in this fun office space and I have pennants all over uh, in the rafters of my office because there's a really cool pennant company out of Buffalo, New York that I randomly stumbled on. And one of the pennants is figure it out. So I look at I look at figure it out every day. I, yeah. I look at uh, let it go. I look at worry will trap you. I look yeah. right above me is give a damn. I mean, just I just need those kind of <laughs> motivational quips and quotes to like keep me trucking. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Dave, what I would love to do is we kind of begin to wind down our time together. What are some things that you have enjoyed in the last year? Maybe some things you've read, some things you've been watching or streaming or listening to. What what are some sources of light for you other than than the penance? <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> Which I love. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Podcasts for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I thought they were had kind of come and gone and had their moment. But yeah. through COVID, I, I feel like everybody and their neighbor has a podcast now. I think. <laughs> yes, right. you are on and, one of those. You're doing great work. Like I'm, I'm happy and proud to be on the, in this conversation with you. But you know what? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it was like March 2019 or March yeah. 2020. And I was like, I need something to do because yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a little anxious. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I want to start this. Yeah. And then I started the second one. And so it's been fun. I've loved it. Yeah. No, I know truly. And it just comes down to engagement. How yep. can, can we be, be lifelong learners and, and grow and, Podcasts are lovely. I, I took up a masterclass subscription. I devour those. They're very TED-like, but they're more prescriptive. And mm-hmm. th- that's a, a lovely platform. Um, I, I, you know, voraciously reading. I've got five or six books on the bedside table. I don't finish a lot of books, but I pick them up and read and whatever inspires me. I'm reading this book called The 48 Laws of Power. Fascinating. Uh, McConaughey's Greenlight's book's amazing. I've been oh, reading nice. a lot of books on feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading a lot of books on D and I, I signed up for more school. I, I went back to school and, and, uh, I'm halfway through an E Cornell DEI program Nice. that I'll finish up probably early 22. So just, I, I was truly inspired by all of the social unrest here in this town and around the world, um, yeah. after George Floyd. And so I knew I could be a better ally, a better advocate. So I, I've actually focused a lot of my time and attention when it's not gobbled up with the kids and the new puppy to grow in that space. Well, Dave, I thank you so much for the great work that you do. I, I love how you framed who you are and what you do at the beginning. I'm going to hold that out as a quote in the show notes and bringing joy to people through those experiences. It cannot be underestimated. And like I said to you before we started, I imagine just like a dog 
doggy hotels, I think are going to be a good business to be in. Helping people gather and and build new memories is going to be a great business to be in as well, because there's going to be a lot of people who are very, very excited about gathering, getting together. And and, and you, as a host of that, I can think of no one better. Uh, well, <laughs> no thank one you. better I'm than, than Dave Ray. I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's a thing. You, the Roaring 22s is a thing. Huh. Spring, summer, fall 22, I think, is going to be amazing. Remarkable times globally, from revenge trips to it, what What are we doing to gather? I think we've got a lot of time to make up for. Well, Dave, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. You do incredible work. Uh, you are doing the work. And I absolutely have incredible respect for that. And so thank you, sir. Thanks for being with us. I just wanted to say thank you, Scott, because I've always appreciated uh, my, my first round of grad school was inspired by you. And so you've always been a, a mentor and a friend <clears throat> and a master communicator in the space. So whether it's podcasts or your articles, your books, you're always, you're always out in front. And so thank you for having me because it's, it's great to reconnect on this level. So much fun. Take care. Be well, sir. Yeah. Love you. Bye-bye. Two reflections. The first, figure it out the title of this episode, which I absolutely love because it's a mindset and David's story of these two different organizations, 503 and TEDx Portland, they had to figure it out and they're doing it. They're doing the work and it's just an incredible story. Uh, can't thank you enough, David, for spending time with us. The second is self-awareness. David, probably more than anyone I've ever experienced, described himself in such a beautiful, authentic way. David said, I'm a creative at heart. I love art, and I love experience, and I love storytelling. A drug for me is creating experiences, indelible moments for people to enjoy, for people to collect moments and not things. So just, I've always had a passion for putting people in the room and creating an arena or a vessel where they can connect and truly get to the core of meaningful relationships. That's the juice for me. It's just a beautiful quote. It is. And it's an individual who knows himself well. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. And again, that practical wisdom, figure it out. Practical wisdom know thyself. Be well, everyone. Take care. You, my friend, have just finished another episode of Phronesis Practical Wisdom for Leaders. To get in touch with me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Now, if you have feedback, I would love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Phrenesis. If you like Phrenesis, I have a second podcast. It's called the Captovation Podcast. That's with an O, Captovation Podcast, where I speak with experts on the topic of designing and delivering incredible presentations. And now, Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.